Welcome to this episode of Implementing Best Practice in Business. We're here to help you and your organization understand and implement global best practice to help you face the business challenges of today. Join me, Richard Farrow, CEO of APMG International, in talking to leaders and practitioners who have applied these frameworks and practices to boost their productivity. They're here, willing to share their knowledge and experience to help you learn from them so you can do the same to make you more competitive in today's market. Today's guest, Andreas Troutner, is a man who seems to have lived a thousand lives. Fueled by curiosity after being a lumberjack, fisherman and managing Denmark's largest music festival, he went on to earn his PhD in agriculture and has recently written his project management story and published it as The Six. His first role as a programme manager was a complete failure. In his own words, project management is a craft, and he was a poor craftsman. Join us as Andreas recalls that eureka moment of realising that the mindset of the project team is so important in how we manage projects, to instinctively knowing when the planning is done and projects are good to start. Welcome, Andreas. Thank you so much, Richard. So, Andreas, what were you doing then before you came into program project management? You know, what are traditional craft-type skills in Scandinavia? I was doing two years as a sergeant in the army. I was not really a good student. I wanted to, I wanted to see the world also. So I went into the army. After that, I went into the Faroe Islands to fish because I thought that would be a challenge. I was like, what would that be like? I, I'm, my father is a medical doctor and my mother is a nurse, so I'm, I had no background. And that I did for a couple of years. It was very exciting. I really enjoyed it. And then I, then I started my education, you might say that. I just had a one year of being a lumberjack in, in, in Norway, northern part of Norway, also because I was curious, you know, what, what is it like to, to be there? And uh, then I, yeah, I started in agriculture. And I was not a really good student, so so after one year, so one and a half, I I, I went to a, a a professor and said, "Listen, I would like to do some research. Anything I can help you with?" And he said, "Yeah." So I did that for one year. I got a laboratory and set that up and did that. And then I asked the professor again, "You know what? I'm ready for the next thing. Do you, do you know any any science uh, projects abroad, maybe?" And he said, "Yeah. Well, we have this uh, project in Sweden." Looking at soil compaction, how the soil is interacting with with the, with the tire and, and and so forth, and that just started, and it's a new brand new thing. And that was in '96, and then I stayed there for seven years and did the uh, did my thesis on soil and and tire interaction. And then you went into program project management, and you said your first one was a failure. Yeah, it, it was. I was and and three years started in Danisco being a consultant in, in soil and, and sugar beets. And then I, I did the error, the mistakes of, of studying for an MBA. Uh, first of all, I didn't I didn't really like it because I'm not a good student. And second, a headquarter heard about it. And so they thought it was a brilliant idea to promote me to project manager. Basically, it wasn't. But for me, it was very good because that defined the next like almost 20 years of my life, 18 years of my life. I went into this project with a firm belief that it was going this was going to be a fantastic ride. And it was just so it was about SAP. I was trying to implement SAP in 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 four different countries. 
It was that it was quite a journey, and it took. That was in two thousand five, two thousand and six, no, two thousand seven. I had completely failed with it, and I became very ill from that experience. But but I was curious about what happened. I was also very angry. I was angry, and I was also hurt, and I was confused about what happened because I had a PhD. I've been working in Oscar the festival with with projects, so I didn't understand what had gone wrong. So I, so I Google project management. And the first thing came coming up was was Prince Two. This is in two thousand seven, and I thought that was a brilliant idea. It was quite expensive. I I went for the foundation and practitioner at a hotel, Hotel Prinzen in Roskilde, actually, and I paid for that myself. I think it was something like, I don't know, four thousand quid or something. I went there and I I remember I I got the book and I opened the book. I sat down with the coffee and I opened the book, and. It just didn't speak to me. I couldn't get into it. I didn't understand what the book was telling me. You know, where do you start? Where do you end? What What is all this? The practitioner was was not a good experience. Okay, I didn't know exactly. I didn't know what was going on. You know, so I just uh, and then, but but there was something there. I remember I I took the train back to my to Copenhagen. I remember thinking this that's something. This is this is great. I should have known this from the beginning. This is great. There's something there. I think the organization, the the business case, especially. So I I knew I wanted to have this. I, I wanted to have Prince Two. Right? I, I wanted to be good at it. And I was uh, uh, contemplating how 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 can I be good at this? And then Rosing Management called me, and because I I used to be a trainer at the university, they say, "Listen, this. Why don't you become a Prince Two trainer for us?" And I thought immediately, "Yes," because. When you train in things, you 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 also practice it, right? And that was two thousand and eight. Um, yeah. So so that that was when the whole journey started, and I was more and more curious. And as you know, you had a lot of other products. MSP was there. Uh, MOV came later. MOV management of portfolios. MOR. I, I had to have it all, right? And and then I also met uh, Richard and uh, your name brother Richard uh, Morris. So he was also in, important for my journey because I met him. Uh, I, I I called him because of his Principoli game, and he came to Copenhagen, and we had a straw in, in Copenhagen, and he started. So Andreas, what what are the activities in in SP the SP activity? He just he just drove me, and I I I realized that there was a there was a level to this that I. That I needed to to go to, he just knew it all by heart, you know. He just knew it all, and I was like, I was I was annoyed because I didn't know it, okay. But I was also impressed, and I he showed me where the bar should be. But interesting though, Andreas. I mean, you know, your your SAP implementation that went wrong, and and you reflected upon that, and clearly that made you ill because of the stress. I mean the. The methodologies are all process-based, and yet you say the problem is people. Could you just take us through that journey from, okay, I understand process, but that's not the answer to it. I need all these other things. So at the beginning, I uh, I uh, went into the template. I, I took the template road. So I went that direction, but I, I couldn't really make it work. And uh, then I had some luck. I had one of my friends was into Lean. And I was in Supreme too, so we we trained each other. And he said something that, that that resonated with me. He said, you know, it's about managing the process in the now, and the process is about people. 
And then I suddenly, suddenly I realized, yes, project management is of course about people. It's about people collaborating, co-creating, pulling hard in the same direction to, to achieve project success and to win with the project and the organization. And the people part became a, re- a, a very important part of me. Also, I got that from Roskilde because I, I had a team. I was managing a team of 25 people, volunteers. So, so the people part has been a part of me all the time. So that really clicked. Then I looked into understanding why I failed. I, I needed to go into how did I fail. And it became clear to me that, that my failure curve was, was very, very steep. At the beginning, there was not much activity. And then the activity and the stress increased and increased until something broke down, and that was me. Then I, I ran another project for an oil organization in the oil industry, WellCheck. And I did it. I did it with the Prince too. It was a completely different ride. It was there was a lot of activity at the beginning, and then it became quiet. So instead of being quiet and being very becoming very noisy, it was very noisy, and then it became quiet, because as I began to to give the the work orders to my team, they knew what to do. We had rehearsed the project th- through planning. We had made all the important agreements about benefit, cost, disbenefit, risk, scope, quality, time. We knew what to do. I set it up correctly. And so I, I thought about, so what went wrong? And it dawned on me that I didn't spend enough time to manage the uncertainties. I didn't have uh, the skills for managing them. And the uncertainties is, is the generic uncertainties in planning and business cases and so forth. I couldn't do that. So we had a lot of uncertainties lying around small embers in, in the, in the forest. And they became bigger problems, bigger fires and exploded into crisis. So. You, you, so Andreas, you, you, you had a very, very interesting expression there and I've never heard it before. And that is you rehearsed the project through yeah. planning. How how much effort did you put into planning? You know, in those days when you were trying these ideas, so you you, know, you got the templates, but the templates are there and find you're working with the team. That that concept of let's rehearse it before we do it is quite an interesting one. So how long did you take? How because you must have become comfortable that you had the uncertainties under control before you yeah. launched. It's interesting because I. If you have failed with a project, you don't want to do that again. There's no way that you are going on to this blood red journey. You know, there's no way you you want to go there because it's it's not very nice. So, so I sat down with my team. I said, okay, so we have this project. We have this horrible fifty pages of specifications that that one engineer agreed with somebody else, and and. What's up and down, and it was just the whole thing, you know. If you, you know the PBD, it was, it was a quality expectation, it was method, method, it was tolerances, it was the whole thing. I said no, we need to figure out. So I sat down and we went through the lines one by one by one, and it took a couple of months to do that. It was a big project, it was a new project, uh, inventing uh, something called a well annular barrier. But we sat down and we understood the requirements. And we did exactly as described in Prince 2. It was a, a, a quality review. So every twice a week or three times a week, we sat down and I had a question list. And next time we started over. And then at some point, 
we were finished, and we all knew that we were finished. And that's an interesting thing. I I had a friend that was an artist, a painter, and he was painting abstract abstract paintings. And I was uh, at his work workshop, and I was some painting standing to the left and some to the right. And I said, so what's the deal here? Oh, those paintings I'm working on, and these are finished. And I looked at them, and I could see no difference because I'm an ignorant. I'm an ignorant. Okay, so but that's that was no different. And I said, so these are finished. Yeah, I don't think so because I can take one of these and I can just put some more dots in it, some more paint in it. You know, just like that you have done. And then he said something interesting that that I didn't that I thought about but didn't use for twenty years. He said, no, no, Andreas. First of all, he laughed at me. You are moron, Andreas. And then he said, you you are you are noisy. You're making noise in my painting. You you need to understand that when when I paint, the painting closes itself to to me. I cannot access it anymore. It's finished. It tells me now it's finished. If I try to do something, I'm making noise. And this is exactly how it feels to make a a good business case. You you it's not noisy. It's elegant. It's just coherent. It's not noisy and clunky. And it tells itself it's ready. And that was the same with the PBD and it's the same with the plan. Even if you could go on for, for longer time, people kind of sense that this is, this, is, this is it. Now we know what to do. And it's something about gut feel. It's something about people again. It's something about communication, sitting down and stitching out clear agreements across the, the stakeholder landscape. And And... and- I mean, I think I can relate to that. You, you do, you do reach a point on any program, any project, where you think we need to take some time up up front discussing. In fact, I'm involved in a project at the moment where the last two meetings we've been discussing what it is we should be doing, and we seem to be go further away from a solution, and then we come back closer to a solution. And this is this ebb and flow of the people within the team, and you know that you can't rush it. You know that you can't say we've had enough, but you sense that we're getting closer to that that conclusion. So as you say, it's a very fluffy, variable activity, but internally you think this is working. And I know that sooner or later we're going to say, right, we've now got it. We now actually understand what it is we're trying to do. And I do think this whole concept of project startup giving yourself enough time to go through those processes and that clarity before you press the button and do work is is so important. So so tell me about the six. What is the six? You know, why why is it called the six? Is this what are the six? The six is something I had to do. It has been an obsession for me to understand projects. So 19 I sat down, I spent one and a half year full full time uh, doing this. Then I realized that I should just tell my story about it, you know, and not be not be not be clever, not try to be clever. It's very easy to read. It's a very personal book, uh, and I'm I'm very proud of it from that perspective. Very early on, I understood that that the mindset of the paradigm, the, the how we think about things, is very important for how we manage the projects. And I could see that there are two there are two dominating mindset where the technology focus is the most dominating mindset I've seen. And it's a, it's about people just starting things because they, they like a technology, they want the thing, they want the output. And I realized that a project, and that was the first thing, the project, we needed to redefine the project. 
uh, I looked into methodologies, how they, they explain project management, uh, what a project is, and I found many different ways of, of, of defining a project. So I, 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 f- I thought a lot about it, and, they, and then I came up with, you know, a project is an investment in change. And from there, it just, everything evolves, and that's the mindset of it. That's one of the six parameters, and this is why it's called a six. There's six parameters. Yeah, and the last parameter I, I added was a commitment. Got to want to succeed. It, that's so important. You got to want to succeed. I was uh, working as a, a consultant for four months in an organization, and they didn't want to succeed. And we kept doing these scrum sprints, eight of them, you know, for two, for four uh, four months, and and we produced nothing because people just didn't care. And I was yeah, and I had to resign. I said yeah, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. Because uh, people don't want this. Uh, I don't know what, what you're doing. So then it became the six. Commitment, the willpower to do something. That, that's very interesting because you probably know Antonio Rodriguez. Yeah, he's re- written a recent book on project management and he talks about the project economy. One of the things that he says, I think it's in his blog, most organizations could stop 80% of their projects and you wouldn't notice. So you notice the benefit because people have got more time to do other things. And and so a lot of that must be about, do we really need this? Do we really want this? Or is it a nice to have and, you know, let's, let's make, to use your phrase earlier, let's make some noise about this. So is that something that, that you would agree with, that, you know, organizations have too many projects on the go, that actually there's not enough determination and willpower to make them a success, and therefore maybe they should look at them critically and, and cancel them? Yeah. They, they should, and they, they should, and this is why investment focus is so important in projects, because a project when when you come up with it, when you have your change idea, it's it's set on the path to failure. It, there's so many things that can go wrong. So the, it, it, if you don't manage them, the likelihood of failing is so big, right? So you need to consider it a, a, an investment. And and uh, you need to configure. Okay, so we can say yes or we can say no, but we need to take all the consequences of yes and no here under the benefits and disbenefits, the cost, the time, but also the threats and opportunities. Those are very very important, especially the threats, and we need to own them. If we say yes, we need to own them. We need to consider what is the likelihood of winning with this project, and we con- need to consider the full project value chain. Every time we do it. And not only stop at output, but over outcome, stable operation, and the benefits and achievement of uh, of uh, strategic goals. We need to consider that. Because, let's face it, when we start a project, well, we are spending other people's money often, right? What you do with your money, it's, it, you can do whatever you want, right? But but it, it, here in this, I have, I have to be careful. I have to be prudent with other people's money. And also, and this is important, when, when we start project here, we are working, we are working with other organization projects, solution projects. When we start a project, we put something on the line. We put our brand, our credibility, we put we put the, our funds, we put the customer relationship on the line, we we put the team's well-being on the line, and also the customer business and customers' funds. So we owe it to ourselves to be careful 
with 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 this because this this is on the line. We can lose that or we can build it. It's also an opportunity to increase the brand, to boost the brand, to mm. inc- to strengthen the customer relationship, to to help the customer uh, succeed with his business. So so this is investment focus. You know, it's not about delivering something on budget and on time. It's 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 about considering the the full investment with all its disbenefits and benefits and threats and cost and managing that and that's project management and and you're right i think people forget that second half of the project value chain and say that's business as usual that's not my responsibility that's someone else's but uh, no it's fascinating but with all this with all this experience and all this uh, inward reflection as you've gone through your career you know if you were giving some advice to a young Andreas starting out today <clears throat> and wanting to have a career in project management, you know, what would be the three things that you would give to a young Andreas to um, to make sure he had a less stressful first 20, 25 years of his project management experience? The majority of organizations think that a project is about delivering something on time and cost. Which is not so that that can cause a lot of frustration. So I would tell young Andreas, you need to take a choice and make a choice. You you need to you need to make a uh, a business case about it. There are, there are certainly there are benefits. There are good consequences, you know, positive, but there are also negative consequences that you need to consider, Andreas. And maybe you should just be happy in 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 whatever is going on and do the best you can. <laughs> and that was that was that was part of the business case I didn't consider when I started. I didn't consider how much frustration there there is in this. And then I would say, if you if you Andreas choose to, and I think I will choose that that you want to become a craftsman in this, you you, you should study for it. You you you, sh- you must want to have it, and you need to you need to start remembering things like Richard taught me. You need to first remember it to understand it and then you will become it and and your third piece of advice to the young andreas yeah when when you get there you 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 will find it you'll find it worthwhile because you can spend the rest of your life becoming better in this you'll never really have to retire because this will become a wonderful hobby and there's so much need for 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 people skilled people in in organizations in every country uh, you know and it, there's a need for people. So you can have a wonderful life in this going abroad, seeing and, and doing great projects. Andreas, thank you very much. Fascinating. What a great insight, a great insight into your career, your learning experience, your openness, your book, and indeed what the young project managers just think about. Many, many thanks for spending the time to talk to me today. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for listening. We're always keen to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can find all the information in the show notes below. Please visit apmg-international.com to find out more about our accredited training and the certifications that support them that are related to the topics discussed in this series. I hope you've enjoyed today and I look forward to you joining future episodes while we continue our exploration into best practice and the benefits it brings to global business. Thank you.